Maurya Tepono. Believe in yourself. Enga iwi, enga hapu, enga kārangaranga maha o te motu, nau mai anō ki tēne hōtaka e kia nei ko Te Ahikā. I'm Justin Murray and this is Te Ahikā on Radio New Zealand National. Cameron Petley can cook. It's something his whānau and his marae knew. And when he appeared on their reality television cooking show MasterChef in 2011, the whole of Aotearoa cottoned on as well. Hey, so you've been here... Is the marae suffering <laughs> through your inattention? Oh, they always, uh, whenever there's a, a birthday or something, there, oh, yeah. they, they want me to um, go there a couple of days early, but you know, the old man tells them I um, can't do that kind of stuff anymore, so I'm just too busy, you know, I can't get out hunting anymore, it's just so I haven't got the time anymore. So. Marae Rakuraku catches up with Chef Cameron Petley at the Master's Table at Putaruru Hotel. Rangi Tiara Denon, known famously as Guide Rangi, took guided tours around Whakarewarewa village in Rotorua. Now, some of the people were famous and some royalty. But it wasn't only showing the mud pools or thermal pools, it also included how Māori passed on traditional knowledge. We either chanted our history or we carved them in these images. Now you take, for instance, this one. This figure here represents Māori fishing up New Zealand. I think with a country like ours, it's quite feasible. Certainly it's a very fishy tale, but I think we can produce the goods. Koe ranga kaupapa kōrero hei tēnei ahiahi pō. That's what's coming up in this edition of Te Ahikā. There's something about music that brings Māori together. I mean, look at what we have today, Te Matatini, the National Performing Arts Festival in Kapahaka. That's where the best of the best Kapahaka teams come together, usually over three days, to perform after months and months of practising. It's whittled down to a 30-minute bracket. Then there's Pao Pao Pao, a more up-to-date, modern and contemporary way of getting together the most current and popular Māori musicians. Thousands gather en masse for ragamuffin and the summer gig festivals like Ladi Da and Rhythm and Vines, to name a few, are quite popular. But what about Akuya and Kroa? The music that they love and that transports them back to the good old days. Gisborne-based iwi radio station Turanga FM broadcasts The Whānau Show, a show broadcast on Friday and Sunday afternoons. Well, the show travels around the country and music is at the heart of the Fano Show. What does the Fano Show mean to you? Everything. I'm the other half of Lindsay Henley, who runs the Fano Show, and um, it's been wonderful, especially for our Komatu. Henne Ricard. This is what it's all about, dear. It's about our people, especially our Komatu, who we love. We've lost along the way many of our kaumātua, but, um, you know, we've got to go on, and I know they'll want us to carry on, and, yeah, this is me, Hina Ricard of Tūranganuia Kiwa, Because the Fano show is a show based from Tūranga FM, 
So every year, does it travel around the motu? We do. We um, do two shows a year if we can. If we get a tunnel from every area, we go. We've got... Um, we're going to Melbourne next year in 2013, and we've also got a tunnel, someone who wants a show in the area in 2013 as well. And we also got two... Um, tunnel for 2014. So when you say tunnel, people have put the invitation out to the Fano show for them to go there. Wow. Now the Fano show is three days, isn't it? Made up of Friday, Saturday yes, and Sunday. Friday, Saturday and Sunday. And each day we have a theme. And our nanny and our poa love it because, you know, like tonight, we're in Wellington at the moment, in Lower Hutt at the moment. And the theme tonight, last night was black and white. It was awesome. Everybody dresses up in black and white. Absolutely. It's not optional. If they don't, we just want to come casual, that's fine with us. But tonight is, wow, it's a finale tonight. Finale. And it's Mardi Gras, so there'll be a lot of colours tonight. Sunday morning, it's um, a... Um, cherry Blossom. Yeah, Cherry oh. Blossom. Uh, the, the theme is Cherry Blossom. White. Oh, sorry. No, no, no. But it's awesome, and um, our nannies love this. I mean, every area we go to, we've been taking these shows on the road since 2005. Wow, that's about eight, eight it's, years. It's been wonderful, and the nannies sell out the two-dollar shops. So that's <laughs> wonderful, darling. Yeah. So let's talk about the music. What kind of music? We have music to suit our audience. Um, that's how we love it. Lindsay and I, it doesn't matter what music they sing because we know it touches the hearts of our queer and our kumas and Kilda. our papas. Kilda. And you're you born and raised in, in Gisborne, Nazi In Gisborne, yeah, for the last 67 years. <laughs> and But it's been awesome. And Lindsay, who's my partner from Taranaki, I'm born and bred in Gisborne. And... Um, we do it for our people. If it wasn't for the people, there'd be no show. So, the Fano show, it's all about the music. And straight away, it sends me back to my childhood hearing all those classics. I head backstage and get to chat with some of the musicians. Kia ora, uh, listeners. My name is uh, Mike Savage. I'm originally from Wairal. Um, I'm now living at Mount Monganui. And I've been asked to... Um, this is my second Fano show where I've been asked to be one of the artists. And uh, it's like a brotherhood and sisterhood with, within the artists. We, become, we come together every six months and, and entertain our, our elderly and uh, our, our nannies. They call them nanny, naughty nannies. <laughs> Are you a musician? What's your mahi? Yeah, I, I, I sort of uh, went, I moved up to Mount Monganui four years ago and joined the country music club because I didn't know anybody up there and it all started from there and um, I got involved with Raymond Solomon Lindsay and Henry heard me sing it on that concert and then they asked me to join them on the Fano show and there's still Selwyn Rauri, he's still singing with us as an artist from X, you know, he's an old uh, Maori Volcanics muso and there's the other guy is Joe Harmy, saxophonist. He's here today. 
Maori Volcanics, and we love doing it for these elderly. You know, they deserve it. They've brought us up. My mum's here. She's brought me up since when I was a kitty, you know, and all the others have brought their families up, and we just want to return the love, and, and, and we do it through music and our songs. As he's just exited the stage from playing the saxophone and guitar, I catch up with Benny Kurohiki. So, Benny, where are you from? Um, well, Wanganui. Uh, Wanganui, as they call it. Now, you just finished coming off stage, yeah? Yeah, yeah. We um, came down yesterday and uh, we're you know, a bit of a backing band, doing some backing for all the artists that are coming down. Kind of like the house band. Yeah, a bit of the house band. That's what the house band, yeah. Is this your first whānau show? Yes, my first whānau show of... of I'm loving it. It's the first time I've ever seen it. Uh, and it's been going for a few years. Uh, and um, the guys I'm playing with uh, are from Hawke's Bay, and they just asked me to come along to play trumpets. I'm sweet with that. So, Benny, what instruments do you play? Oh, I'm, I'm actually a guitarist. Guitarist? Yes, and I've, I've been on shows. I was with the Howard Morrison Trio last year. Worked with Mary Highmarks for 10 years. You know what, with the Māori Highmarks, do you think they received the kind of accolade that they deserved as no, a band? Uh, yeah, I think they, uh, they did really well when they came here to New Zealand. Um, because, as, you, as we all know, that when they formed in Australia, that they got a bit more accolade in Australia before they came back to New Zealand. So you were with them for 10 years, Benny? I was with uh, for 10 years as a guitarist and as the MP. So your favourite song's got to be Till. It's always been the magic touch. It's always been my favourite song. So, Benny, you know, when it comes to Māori music, I was at the Māori Music Awards in uh, Hastings. So it seems like, you know, that's a real... Although it does pay tribute to our traditional Māori artists like Hedini Melbourne and our, especially our young people, so you have that at one scale and then you have this, which is all our you know, golden oldies, yes. you know, Māori ditties, and, I mean, is there a medium? As you know, the, when they have the Māori awards over in, um, in uh, Hawke's Bay, and it's all about our real songs, you know, and, and they pay tribute to all of those people, like Rui Aparama, all of those people, they pay them, uh, the respect to them for what they're doing for their songs, and, they, they, and everybody's into it. Whānau shows people, if you're out there and you want to get to these whānaus, go and have a listen. Uh, it's not all about the being the best singer. I think it's all about having a great time and entertaining people. This is what these shows are all about, it's entertaining people. No matter how bad or how good you are, it's entertainment for the people to make them laugh. I kia ora Hine Rickard, Mike Savage and Benny Kuroheke from the very popular Whānau show. Now that show was held in Lower Hutt in September this year. Nā mihi kia koutou o te reo irirangi o Tūranga FM. <laughs> Te Arika, Radio New Zealand National. Cameron Petley definitely left an impression after his appearance on television program MasterChef New Zealand in 2011. So much so, you could be mistaken for thinking he won the competition, especially with all the appearances he makes around the country at different events, cooking demonstrations and the publication of his book Hunter from the Heartland. 2012. Mariah Rakuraku spends time with Chef Petley at the Master's Table Putararu Hotel and samples one of his dishes. Now admittedly, I'm not a reality television fan, but through living vicariously through Justine, 
Kia ora Justine. I, like everyone, found myself backing Cameron Petley when he appeared on New Zealand MasterChef last year. And here's why. Two words. He's real. Okay, maybe that's three words. He is real. Cameron Petley is pretty much exactly as he comes across on TV. He's direct, genuine, articulate and extremely likeable. The Master's Table is the restaurant part of the Putarudu Hotel, which is a huge uh, building with some Art Deco features. Seen better days, it's a little bit tired, some of the brickings come away from the facade and it could probably do with a bit of a all-round spruce up. But even so, it is quite impressive. It completely dominates a corner in the township of Putarudu. I'm making my way into the very impressive foyer, which has wooden panelling. Oh, kia ora. And here's Cameron himself. <laughs> I'm Raya. Wow, look, check you out, mm-hmm. all in your gears. So Cameron, you know this building here, it's really impressive. Yes, yeah, quite, quite an old building that they built it in 1953 for the Queen. Cameron's referring to the royal visit of Elizabeth II and her husband, Philip, the Duke of Edinburgh, in 1953 and 1954. Christmas Eve 1953, the Tangiwai railway disaster occurred, where 11 carriages of the overnight Wellington to Auckland train was derailed at Tangiwai by a laha from Mount Duapehu. Of the 285 passengers, 151 were killed, and to date, it's the worst railway disaster in New Zealand history. The Queen was coming past on the tracks, she just waved out and carried on, so they actually built it for nothing really oh, at no. the end of the day. So but, it's accommodation um, as well as... Hi. Yep, we've got a restaurant through here, yep. accommodation upstairs, we've got a public bar around the corner there. Okay. But it's um, part of Potato do this place. So. Man, it completely dominates that corner there, eh? I yeah, mean, yeah, as soon yeah. as you drive up that hill there, and it's like, da-da. Yeah, it's an old, old, old place, you know, it's been around for a while. But, um, you know, if we're slowly getting our... No one was using it before we come in here, or this side of it, so... So it's been under yeah. disuse for some time, eh? Yeah, yeah, we've been trying to trying to fix it up anyway. Yeah, impressive. Yeah. Gee, check out that, that, um, that carpet. But over, over, oh, right on top of us here is the Queen's room. They bought that especially for her. Has anyone ever slept in there? Yeah, yeah, it's open to anyone now. Oh, yeah, but, right. but um, <laughs> yeah, that, that was her room. Like, apparently there was a lot of people, hundreds of people out here waiting for her to come and you know the train kept on coming past and went straight past she was just standing there doing the wave and now I guess back in the day because that is a train stop right over there eh? that's a Putadudu train stop people would literally get off their train and walk over here yep to stay and now that the train doesn't run anymore does uh, it runs through here but not not on this trunk here it bypasses and goes along the side there that would have contributed to people not coming. 
Yeah, yeah, that's right. And it yeah. ends up contributing to a small town dying by a million cuts. <laughs> yeah, something like that. <laughs> yeah. But it's, uh, you know, it's, it's a nice town, this town. You know, I was brought up in Tokoro, born in uh, Rotorua. And um, how did you end up here in Pukatiru? I met a girl from uh, while oh, yeah. I was working in Tito. <laughs> and I um, got married to her and we've been living here for the last 12 years or so. so. She's from me. My father was born here. Oh, yeah, so you fuck a papa here? Yeah, yeah. My, my um, great-grandfather used to work at the Timber Museum just down the road here. So is this the Petley whanau? Or? Yep, the Petley whanau. So. Oh, yeah, so you're like old-school Petleys from Putaruru. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know, there was a few um, main families around around here. We've got Haitanas and Lukes and Petleys and... You know, they're all. The, there's a lot of families around here anyway that are still here today. So, but they're all from the forestry backgrounds, uh, sawmilling backgrounds. So, how far away is sawmill from here? Uh, we used to have a sawmill right next door, but they closed down, so they really damaged the town. Um, they By closed down. Cuts, yeah, a couple of couple of years ago, mm. but they still operate. Another lower. two, another two sawmills down the main road. Kiwilumba and Pacific Point. And how far away is that from here? Um, two k's maybe. Ah, yeah. yeah. So I'm guessing because by the number of vehicles I've seen and the people I've just seen walking around the township, that this is a farming timber. It is a farming timber timber town. Yeah, yeah, community, hunting community. Yeah. Yeah. So what's what's the rough population here in Putaruru? Actually, I've been asked that many times before, and I still don't know. I <laughs> but know do you there's... feel like you pretty much know everyone? No, no, no. <laughs> oh, okay. um, there's a lot, lot of people, a lot of people from here. I think maybe about around seven thousand people. I think so. That's a reasonable size. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're catching up to Tokoro. You know, um They were quite big, but they're losing population now, so that's why we're catching up to them. Oh, so. yeah. But uh, Pataru is a beautiful place, you know, it's got some of the best water in New Zealand. Yeah. Um, all of the, I think it's 80% of the water that's bottled in New Zealand is bottled here from our um, Blue Spring. Oh, yep. Yeah, so. Because that's that water you buy in shops. Yeah, 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 yeah. Blue Spring water, um, H2Go pump, you know, pump water, that all comes from here. So a lot of people don't know that. So. Oh. And we take all the kids down there and swim in it and stuff, and then they <laughs> bottle it up and sell it to people in Auckland. So, you know, it's not too bad. Yeah. And what about marae? Where are the marae? Uh, there's um, four marae to this area. Yeah. This is the uh, area of Te Kaukauro Pātatiri. Uh-huh. We've got um, our Ngātira, there's a marae. We've got a Whakara Tamaiti, the main road. And we've got a Piketu that's out, out this way. And uh, Mangakaritu is just down the road so. And which one do you fuck up a bit Oh, all of them? I, um, <laughs> actually, my, my father was, um, he fuck up papas back to Tupuna. And uh, my mum's from Waiohau over the Uriwera, so. Hey, we'd be related. I'm from over there. I think we are. It's about here we do that thing, that thing that Māori do. 
we call it whakawhanaungatanga. It's when you try to find those links between each other of places, of people, and as you do, barriers fall away. Or in this case, they crash to the ground when you find a relation. I, Cameron and I, are related. And it turns out... Great-grandfather was Hare Rakuraku, and he took the Hare name as his last name. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're like close as. <laughs> Should we go have a look inside? <laughs> this is um, Tracy. She's the... Oh, kia ora, Tracy. Kia ora. How are you? I'm good, thanks. This is really impressive in here. Are these all the original features here, like this glass wall I'm yes. seeing with Art Deco gold yep. kind of... All very much original, so a sort of a mix between your Art Deco and um, a little bit of Victorian as well, because it was built for the coronation tour of the Queen. Gosh, and what, what about that wallpaper there? That original. Like gold leaf. Yeah, original wallpaper. Uh, second lot of carpet though, but um, been here for about 35 years. And what's your role here, Tracy? Um, I'm the head lessee of the hotel and... What does that mean, Tracy? Um, <laughs> the, bill the, <laughs> <laughs> the bill payer. The bill payer. Yeah, so we're just, um, we've reopened this part of the hotel. It's been closed for a number of years and we've seen Cameron Has it always be... operated as a hotel? Yeah, it was closed for about eight years. Um, that is a long time, yeah. So lots of um, ripped walls and Gosh. sort of defects and all that that come along with being closed up for many years, yeah. What a mega restoration. Huge, yeah, huge. And still undergoing it? Yeah, way undergoing, yeah. We've only sort of just touched the surface, so... Um, but it's enjoyable and, and we're getting there. And you enticed Cameron to come and work here. <laughs> if you can call it that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was actually working at another place before I come here, at another restaurant, uh, Alberica's Italian restaurant in Tukuro. So this it's is where you were year, when, when you were recruited for MasterChef? Yep. Been living here for about seven, eight years before then, so... I wasn't a chef before going on to that show, so... You were yeah, just yeah. good at cooking. Yeah, yeah, you know. That's <laughs> a lot of those Marae-style uh, yeah, tricks, yeah, yeah. you know. And so how did that happen? You know, I just always wanted to cook, but I just applied for the show and... I heard that your dad encouraged you. I'm my wife first, and... Um, what, like Han Han? You need to apply for this. You're really good at cooking. Oh, we were sitting there at home and oh, I think I caught the last episode of the first series and I, I thought to myself, you know, I can do that. And my wife said, well, you know, put your money where your mouth is and apply. So we applied and then I kind of made it through and tried to find any excuse to get out of it. But she got my parents involved and then they dragged <laughs> me up there kicking and screaming and... Um, Kind of made made it through the auditions and got got to cook for them and kind of made it through from there. So, I mean, was that way know, out of my comfort zone? I yeah. didn't want to didn't want to do it. You know, this old shy Maori boy kind of thing. But they loved you. They loved me. I, I wasn't expecting that, but you know, it turned out that way anyway. Do you think it's because they never really encountered Maori much? Yeah, you know, I think I was. The only Māori that's made it onto one of those shows before, you know, and you know, it was quite, quite, it was quite hard uh, for me, especially um, being the only Māori there. 
it's quite hard fitting into that um, kind of lifestyle, living with um, all the strangers and that kind of thing. So, yeah, we had to stay in a house and I was there for about two months. So. Gosh, that's long, so you didn't even see your whanau? No, you're not allowed to come back home. You're and you can't to... ring them? Are you allowed to ring them? It was, it was tough. It was tough for me anyway. So. But, uh, you know, it's changed my life and for the better. So. All right. Yeah. yeah. And you've got a... You got a celebrity in the in the house. That's right. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> Do people come in just to just have a quarter with him? Oh, see? totally. Yeah, totally. Phones always ringing to see if this is the place that Cameron Petley cooks. So yeah, it's fantastic. And how do you handle that, Cameron? It's pretty hard to get a day off when uh, people come in here, especially for me. No, it's uh, but that's all right. You know, it's good for business and. Um, just getting my name out there, yeah. Is the attention a bit overwhelming? It is. Um, like getting recognised all the time? And yeah, you can't go anywhere, you know, but uh, <laughs> I've got a new to I've got a new to it now, so... How do your whanau handle it? Oh, they're loving it, you know. They, what about uh, the kids? Oh, they're a bit too young to know. I think the older kids, are, they're loving it. But the younger kids, you know, I'm still their dad and that's all their matters, you know. But I did this to change my life for them, you know, and change, give them a better life, you know, and that's what's happening now anyway, so. So we're heading through some double doors now. Gosh, this is a huge dining space, eh? It's not set up for dinner service as yet, but um, the girls come in and set it up later on. We usually do our lunch out here. Then we clear all of that out and bring it into here and set up for dinner service, so. And how many, um, how many people can come here for dinner? I think um, sometimes we get capacity? about 100, 100 people, but um, <gasps> that's, that's, that's quite busy. But I'll average about 50, 50 people. So. Do you find that it winds down over the, over the winter? Over the winter, yeah, yeah. Summer was um, flat out. We've got another chef in here, um, Nathan Arnell, that it's only me and him back there. So. Should we go through? Yeah, we'll... Okay, so the, gee, the kitchen opens right out into the dining service. I used to be dining quite area. Huge, you know. This was an operational when we first came in here. Oh, yeah. Uh, we've actually made it operational. We've got a licence for it. All right. So this is the kitchen you're talking about, Cameron, that yes, we just we just come into. Kia ora. So you're Nathan. Yeah. Kia ora, Nathan. I'm Mariah. Before we used to have a bench there with three gas burner ring burners, like Mariah-style yeah, ring burners. Yeah, So you're used to cooking that way. Yeah, yeah. It was, but it was quite full on, you know, when, when you get 100 people through and you got three burners to cook on, it was quite hard up. So we've got us a six burner and a hot plate deep fryer and all the basics. So how big is this kitchen, Cameron? I know it's about, um, Seems quite little. Six by twelve, I think. Mind you, I guess it's just big enough for what two people and a dishwasher. Yeah, yeah. Oh, sometimes we don't get a dishwasher. Sometimes it's just me and him. So oh, yeah. It's all about multitasking in this one, you know. But out the back here. This is what the old kitchen used to be like. Yeah. Oh, this is huge. And this used to open up, you know, they used to cook for hundreds in here. This is freezing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what is the plan? So we've just stepped through another door into what was obviously the the main kitchen. and But it was all just one big, huge kitchen, wasn't it? Yeah, there was it? a lot of fire damage in this building when we, when we first come in. And you just sectioned it off, just made it a bit more operational, the part where you guys are in? Jeez, no, Cameron, I, I know some marae that would be quite envious of this sort of space. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> My one for one. Oh, look at those big sinks. 
It would have been a beautiful place, a beautiful kitchen to, to work in back in 1953 or whatever, because you know, every chef had their own station. Like, mm, beautiful. So what veggie, is it? So is it like a sectioned off? So those are subway tiles that have kind of sectioned off stations. Yeah, and they had like a veggie, veggie prep station in here, and then they had another one in there. How neat. And then they had the dishwashing and stuff happening over here, and then they've got another room. There was this smoker room through there. Oh, yeah. And then out the back there, they've got big meat sacks and um, chillers out the back there. So. Wow, so you're not even using half of the no, space? We, no, we can't get a license for it as the way it is. Right. So we need to start making some serious some guests. You know. health and safety. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's, that's on the cards anyway. You know, that's what we want to do is get it operational, this part. Yeah. So we can start running cooking classes. Nice. And um, bottling up our own stuff, like uh, making our own preserves and stuff like that. So utilising the space, you know. But anyway, we're going to cook a feeder. Oh, yeah, all right. Hey, so you've been here. Is the marae suffering <laughs> through your inattention? Oh, that was uh, whenever there's a, a birthday or something, yeah, oh, they, yeah. they want me to go there a couple of days early, but you know, the old man tells them I um, can't do that kind of stuff anymore, so I'm just too busy, you know, I can't get out hunting anymore, it's just so I haven't got the time anymore, so just released a cookbook. They come out um, four weeks ago, and I've made the bestsellers list um, three weeks, so it's not too bad. Gosh, you're like, you're like, yeah, how yeah. it is. For property at the <laughs> So tell me what you're doing. You've just, it looks like you've just put some capers in a pan. Yep, capers, and we've got a bit of salt in there. Just going to hit it with a bit of cream. Make salt look like um, pepper. Oh, I mean pepper. Oh, okay. Yeah, good spotting. Wee, get me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> keep this well, keep a cream sauce. Oh, I mean, these aren't ingredients that you usually, a Maori no, household no, I've, usually um, use. <laughs> that's why I struggled a bit in uh, Master Chef Kitchen with some of the ingredients, not, not knowing what they were, you know. And, uh, but like I said, you know, they go, oh, you know, you're, how, how do you know you're going to do any good in the competition if you don't know what half of the ingredients are? And I've said, well, come back to where I'm from and I'll show you what the ingredients are. You know, you're cooking with stuff that you don't know about. That's what they don't realise. You know, New Zealand's got their own food culture, you know. But they all, they all cook um, French, French. French food and Spanish food and Italian, you know, but they're all cooking that in New Zealand, eh? What about New Zealand style of cooking, you know? So by New Zealand style, are you meaning Māori? Māori, yeah, I am actually, because we do have our own style. We do balance flavors pretty good, you know. You know what I think? I think we're amazing caterers. Yeah. We don't really know who's going to turn up at a tangi. You know, when we're and we're still yeah, able yeah, to, yeah, 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 right. you know, you when know, they when come through a cup of tea, still able to present hot kai to them. We don't know who's going to turn up. Yeah, yeah. When when they were when we were master chef and they, oh, we got to cook for hundred people tonight, and I was like, man, there's nothing. You go to a maro and then you have to cook for 200 every half an hour, you know, that's that's what's busy. Yeah. 
And uh, people in the Marae kitchen seem to do very well, you know, without stressing too. So. And without all the gears. Without all the gears, you know, you've got a couple of pots and stuff. And butcher knife that does every job, you know. Oh, we got oil and butter in the pan. We put oil in the pan so the butter doesn't burn. I'll burn if, if we just had butter in there, it'll turn black. And it'll taste whatever we're cooking um, ugly, you know. Some, some fish we got today. So is it easy to access fresh ingredients here in Putari? Uh, it's getting easier, you know, since with my name, because my name's out there now, a lot of people are ringing up me now, you know, asking, you know, we've got this, we've got that, you know, do you want to, do you want it? You know, and Jeez, Cameron, and I mean, you didn't win Master Chef. No, I didn't win. <laughs> but you know, what, what I did do was, um, touch a lot of people's hearts, you know, and, um... Yeah, I know, in our, those... I know in our office that, um, one of my colleagues wanted to take a sick day when you got voted off. <laughs> she was really a little bit sad about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, by that, by that stage of the competition, you know, I wanted out of there too, you know, I wasn't happy, um, first time I've been away from my kids, the day, the day before I got eliminated, was my son's birthday, and uh, you know they really, really hit home. It's the first time I've been away from my kids since they've been born. So now it looks like you're oiling and salting the I fish. I just want to oil the fish just to keep the salt on there, you know. And I season the fish with salt and pepper. Do you ever get, um, you know, they always they say that builders their houses are never built. As a chef, do you get sick of eating your own clay? I do, I do, um, you know, I want to get out there and try other people's, other people's kai, you know, I try and get out there as much as I can, but uh, it's kind of hard when I've got to cook for the family at home and then, you know, my parents ring me up to go around there and cook for them and, oh, it's never ending. Just, um, lucky we've already prepped today. <laughs> So am I stopping you from preparing the rest of the kai for those ladies out there? No, no, they're already, they've oh. already eaten. Oh, I did okay. a cooking demo with them before, you know, stuff like, stuff like that. I do now cooking demos for people and they come and learn how to cook some of my dishes and stuff that's like that. So, yeah, yeah. Hey, that's one of those fast cooking ovens there, eh? Yeah, it's pretty grunty, it's um, pretty high powered, you know what, the oven at home, it probably cooks it in half the time, you know. So tell me, what are some of the other ingredients that you hadn't really heard of that you're using on a regular basis now? Um. And I mean, really, I mean, that was for TV, eh, Cameron? But does a normal household cook this way? Um, apparently some people do, and, um... I think those are the rich people, you know, and, um, you know, I never cooked like this for my family at home. It was just whatever was in the cupboard, and um, that showed on um, MasterChef when, you know, we'll go to the pantry to pick out ingredients, and then you're allowed, like, 20 ingredients, and I'll come out of there with seven ingredients or something like that. <laughs> and you know? one of them was mince. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then win the challenge, you know, it's just about... There's some stuff you can't teach people and that's marrying up the right flavours, you know. 
That was another, another thing for me, you know, I was only there for about six challenges and I was on the top of those, I was there for seven challenges and four of those challenges I was either won the challenge or come second, you know, so it's just... Were they good teachers? Yeah, they were. They, those master classes and stuff like that, that was good for, good for me, I learnt a lot. And you know, I, I went there wanting to learn, you know, and not, not going there thinking I knew everything. Um, a lot of people did go into their competition thinking they knew everything, but it turned out they didn't. Have you kept in contact with any of them? Yeah, uh, there's a guy, Anthony. Anthony, and he, he um, came in for dinner last week. I did a cooking demonstration with Nadia a couple of weeks ago. I did have an agent, like, um, straight out of MasterChef, we get given an agent. But um, now I'm just taking, taking care of my own. Because um, when you get an agent, you got to pay them, eh? And um, I don't really want to, you know? <laughs> but finding a good agent's pretty hard, too, so... Just making the old cousin a bit of a sample. Cheers. <laughs> So what's your favourite dish? Do you eat here? I mean, you work here, so yeah, you must yeah. eat. Yeah, we do. You must eat Cameron Creations all the time. <laughs> My favourite would probably be um, the venison, the gapaccio, the raw venison. That's one of my favourites. I was just going to say to you, what's gapaccio? Yeah, it's raw. Um, Cameron does a raw venison with a horseradish mayo and a pickled vegetable Oh my goodness, my mouth is actually watering. Yeah. yeah. Oh, awesome. So what we're looking at is, um, oh my goodness, this is so primo. Hey, what a cheek I'm like. Where's the bread? No, no. Eat <laughs> <laughs> the butter. This is terrible. Right, well, what are you going to have to drink? I'm going to wait for you. You know what? From the time I saw him create that to it being on the plate, that must have been something like six or seven minutes. Yeah, really fast turnaround, which is great. It is really fast. Yeah. So from your point of view, I mean, I guess that's the sort of thing you look for in a chef, eh? That they can make mm. quality-looking dishes, yeah. tasting as yeah. well, or the fast turnaround. That's right, yeah. Some days it's harder, harder to do that just because we've got such limited space in the kitchen. And when we get about 40, 50 people out here or uh, all wanting to be fed sort of a relatively the same time, then it, then it can get a little bit sketchy. But in saying that too, um, they, work, they work really well together, both Cameron and Nate, and they produce fantastic meals. Wow. My mouth's watering. Mm. You need to tuck in. Mm. I'll wait for you. <laughs> <laughs> I'll wait for you. Cameron Petley prepared for me, absolutely beautiful. There are photos at our website, radionz.co.nz forward slash teahika. I'm Mariah Rakraku, and I've just been with Cameron Petley at the Master's Table, Putaruru Hotel. Hi, kia ora. And you also heard from Tracy Thompson and Nathan Arnell. Now, to listen to tonight's show again or to previous shows, check it out. We page radionz.co.nz forward slash teahika.
Rangi Tiaradenan, or Guide Rangi, goes hand-in-hand hand with the rich history of Whakarewarewa village in Rotorua. Her knowledge and experience of the area played a vital part in her role, which contributed to her fame both here and overseas. When she died in 1971, reports suggested it also ended a colourful era in tourism. In tonight's archival segment, Nga Taonga Kōrero, we head back to 1948. Hundreds of celebrities that you've guided around uh, around here, Rotorua. Uh, can you tell us about some of the ones that impressed you most? Well, the more recent one was Miss Helen Keller. I rather marvelled her because, though she's blind, she she appreciated everything. How did she did she feel things? Uh, she felt the carvings, and then. When she, when I gave her a piece of Daphne, she smelt it and she knew the name. She recognised. She recognised the name by the mm-hmm. smell of it. I think she's a very wonderful woman. Yes, I think so. I because, think so. though she might be blind, what appealed to me more, she didn't. See, she doesn't see the funny side or the worst side of life. Mm, the dark side. The dark side. Yes. <laughs> Everything is bright. Mm. What about uh, Mrs. Roosevelt? You took her around too, didn't you? Yes, I yeah. did. What was she most interested in? I think she was more interested in the races. She asked me what uh, we thought of the uh, civilization that was brought to us. Yes. And uh, what about British royalty? Did you have any of those? Well, the first British royalty that I met, I wasn't a guide then, was the Duke of Windsor. Mm Mm-hmm. Before he left, of course, he pretended he was an ordinary visitor. Did he? <laughs> so he thanked me and gave me a pound note. So the next day, when he came out to uh, see the sights, I asked him to autograph it. I still have the note with his autograph. On the first day, he pretended he wasn't the Duke of Windsor. He, he wasn't royalty. Uh-huh. He was just an ordinary person, but I knew who he was. Naturally, yes. Uh, the Duke of Gloucester was my first official party mm. of royalty. Well, we're now standing in the model par, so uh, I think we'll hand it over to Rangi and she can describe what we're seeing from here. Well, the uh, pa is just a model of a Maori village reconstructed on an old Maori fort site. Then outside you'll notice the double palisading and the spaces at the lower end of the uh, palisades. Well, we just allowed you sufficient space, as you notice there, to crawl through and you're blocked inside. When we thought the enemy had got him, the villagers rushed out and outflanked. Using the greenstone men and the tayaha, those two weapons never left their hands. Those defences were quite practical. It was always a hand-to-hand fighting, mm. and it wasn't the better man who won. It was the lucky man. Then inside, you see the trenches. Uh, that's the results of Hongihika's visit to England. Instead of bringing back implements that were useful to him, he exchanged them in Australia for firearms. So he was the first Maori to introduce firearms amongst his own people. And that's when that idea of the trenches was adopted. Mm. So recalling the First World War, I think our Maori boys were very good with their shovels, yes. trench digging on mm. Gallipoli. Mm. Then the inside the village, that's a food house. Looking round at the compound, the food house is the most elaborately carved structure. 
I think that's our expression of your cut glass, fine linen and crockery. Mm. And the food houses are always placed on pillars to keep the rats out as well as the death. Then the meeting house, which is the main building in all our Mari villages, we use that, I suppose I might as well say, town halls, council mm. chambers and boarding houses. Mm. Then the next is a sleeping uh, of hut or farepuni. And that's the smallest building in the enclosure. And the kitchen, which is shared by all the villages. Totara of our New Zealand woods is the most suitable timber to carve on. And uh, the tree used to be cut down with the greenstone axes and carved with the greenstone chisels. Now, you notice the figures there. They certainly don't flatter us. We deliberately distorted them through superstition. You must never carve the likeness of a person as dead. Otherwise, you incur the anger of the gods. The penalty was death. Tongue out is a carver's impression of a warrior going through our dances. Tongue out is defiance. I think that's universal. Uh, as we had no written language, we either chanted our history, or we carved them in these images. Now you take, for instance, this one. This figure here represents Maui fishing up New Zealand. I think with a country like ours, it's quite feasible. Certainly it's a very fishy tale, but I think we can produce the goods. This one here represents Tutanikai, and the lower one is Hinemoa. That's the young lady who swam across the lake to Mokoya Island. Now, over in the corner there, you see a canoe. That's the full length of the smallest size canoe we had. So you can quite understand when, when Hinemoa's father had all these canoes tied up on land, it was impossible for her to move one of them down to the water's edge. So the next best thing was to swim across. On the island, there are hot springs. So she was able to have a nice hot bath after a cold swim. So that's where he found her. And that gate there showed Hinemoa in Tutanikai. You notice there's a center pole, which is called the uh, Poitokumanawa. We used to dovetail the corners as we had no nails. Then on the ceiling, you see the kakaho or uh, reeds. Then on the outside, the bark of the totara. And we made these rooms colorful by using red oxide, blackish vegetable dye. Now the designs on the ceiling there, they represent shoulder, fish, and flowers. In between the carved panels, you see a work that's very similar to tapestry, and we call it tui. Other tribes call it call that particular work tukutuku. They're only uh, decorative designs. It's the carvings, really, that keep the records of our race. Now, Marquini's skirt or pupu is made from the flags. You strip the flags, then you mark the design on a piece of board. We originally used the uh, mussel shell for cutting the flags with. 
Now that we have the... I use a razor blade. It uh, saves time. You partly cut the leaf, then with a muscle shell you scrape. As they dry, they curl up and get the tube effect. Then you, we soak them in vegetable dye for about two hours. When we wash the strands in clear water, the dye only takes to the fiber and washes off the flaxy part. So you get the effect of black and white, and that makes the pattern. It takes about two months at least to make one of those skirts. And what's the significance of this carving on the side of it? Is that a... I think it's uh, this uh, figure is very uh, similar to the same as, as those carvings out there. I see, yes. And this tiki here, Rangi, this greenstone tiki, it's a beautiful, well, what's that, about six inches long, isn't it? Is it a very old one? Yes. It uh, belongs to my mother's people. You see, there's not very many of these tikis about. And I think I'm rather lucky to have one that's handmade. To get to break the stone in the early days, the Maoris used to light fi uh, fire on the rock. When they thought it was hot enough, they poured cold water. That broke a piece off. And they uh, rubbed it with the sand and water to get it smooth like that. I think uh, you can see the difference between a tiki made by hand and a tiki made by machinery. Yes, indeed. You can see the difference. Kia ora. An archival recording there of Rangi Tiara Denon, known as Guide Rangi. To get in touch with Tiahika or to send us feedback, you can do so by emailing tiahika at radioNZ.co.nz or peep on our Facebook page. Just search Tiahika, that's T-E-A-H-I-K-A-A. Anaira a piatarihi tui Yates, popularly known as Auntie B, with this week's Whakatauki. Mauri te pono. Believe in yourself. It's such a beautiful whakatauki, because if you don't believe in yourself, you won't climb the potama, the stairway to success. So everybody, especially you tamariki maas to let kura, mauri a te pono. Believe in yourselves, and you'll make it. Aroha mai kia koutou katoa. Kanui te mihi me te aroha. Kia ora. Next week, I'm with Patu Colbert from Reggae Group 1814. He talks about their new album, Relax. And we follow up on the Kohangareo report released on October 18, Matsua Rautia. He mehi tēne ki ngā kai kōrero e huri mai o koutou tāringa ki tēne hōtaka. Ki ngā kai mahi rorohiko, ngā mehi. Hoki mai hei tērā rātapu, mai te whānua te ahi kā kia tātou katoa, Mauri ora.